0: Hi everyone and welcome to another edition of Rock and Talk with Dak. Today I'm giving you my rundown for the top five albums of 2020. Stay tuned. Hello, fellow music fans. Hope you all are doing fantastic. It's great to be back doing the show and I'm excited for what the year has to offer. I did a brief episode last week on what my plan uh, for the year is and Uh, So if you want, you can go catch that episode to see what I have in store for you. Plus, there's going to be some surprises throughout the year that I didn't mention on there. But before I get rolling with the new year, I want to take a look back at last year's music. I'm doing a top five album list, as one may have guessed by the title. (laughs) Um, Now, I'm trying a bit of a different format with this, so bear with me. I didn't want to do a giant split episode like I did last year. I gave myself a lot of time to talk about those albums. But I've been wanting to push myself into some quicker thinking. So I have a format for each album. I go through the music, lyrics, and then some closing thoughts and highlights. And I try to keep each one at around five minutes-ish. So it's a little different. Hopefully that helps with pacing. Uh, But most of all, I hope you all enjoy it. Now some of these may be very obvious if you tuned into the show last year, and some of them may come as a surprise. As usual, they're not in any particular order. I'm not a big fan of ranking, and you know, I'm not saying that these are definitively the absolute best albums of the year. These are it's just the albums and the music that really resonated with me the most. So but I mean by all means, please go and share share with me your Your favorite albums? What were they? What were the albums that helped you get through the the dismal year that was 2020? Um, I mean, I love seeing, hearing everyone's different flavor and music. I want to let's let's celebrate that diversity. So, without further ado, my friends, let's begin. First up on the list is "Imploding the Mirage" by the Killers. Surprise. I'm getting this one out of the way right now since I did a review on it last year, so if you'd like a bit more of an in-depth look, go check out that episode from last year. Uh, So here, real quick, I'm just going to summarize my thoughts and feelings on it and maybe explain how it's grown on me a little bit uh, since it's released last August. Imploding the Mirage is such a killer album. See what I did there? (laughs) I mean, it's everything that's weird and wonderful about the band wrapped up in this nice little package. You have the hooks. You have that alt-rock synth-pop sound. And, you know, just with Brandon Flowers writing and the older I get, I tend to notice it more. You know, those small little religious references. If you know what, what to look for, they're, they're totally in there. And that's just kind of a... It's, at this point in time, it's just quintessential killers to me. The themes, I think, are a lot more accessible compared to the deeply personal Wonderful Wonderful uh, from 2017. But there are a couple songs that continue that story, uh, such as one of my favorites, My God. Um, and My God is right. I mean, that song is just bold and beautiful, and Way's Blood being featured on there. She has such a beautiful voice. It just fills out that song so well. Another song that's really grown on me is Dying Breed." and i love that it takes two minutes for the song to build up and for for the rest of the band to come in and get loud absolutely love that tension in that build and lyrically it's about a lover who's going to be there for their partner whether it's weathering the coldest night whether it's the water rising or standing up against opposition it's so heartfelt and that's kind of another quintessential killers thing for me i mean anything that brandon flowers writes he just he puts his soul he puts his heart into those lyrics so I'm going to cut it off there. That's my brief rundown. Go check out the album. I love it. Um, also has beautiful artwork, work. Um, and it's just from a personal level, it's really, it's been fun to have grown up with this band, um, having listened to them all the way back in 2004 uh, when Hot, uh, Hot Fest came out. And then to to see and hear their journey up till now, it's been really cool. Up next on the list, is Song Machine Season 1, Strange Times, from Gorillaz. So yeah, I'm already going to break the format. (laughs) Um, First thing that I want to mention is the way that they released this, kind of the idea behind the album. It's part of their audiovisual, they call it the Song Machine Project, and this was actually started in 2019, like the idea of it came about, and they had started working on some of these songs even before the pandemic hit. So each episode or song um, is released monthly. the idea was to release them monthly along with, um, you know, a music video and then a series of skits, which listening to them, they're more or less just interviews with the virtual band members. The first season wound up consisting of nine songs. They were released throughout 2020, all of which show up on the album. And it sounds like they're going to start releasing season two sometime this year. So it's a bit of a unique way to approach releasing new music, not like the idea hasn't been done before, but for the idea of the Gorillas being a virtual band anyway, I think it just worked out really well with the pandemic and what wound up happening, Um, even though they didn't know the pandemic would happen. No one did. Anyway, on to the music. For me, I think it's everything that we've come to expect from, um, from Auburn's little pet project. Um, stylistically, it's very varied, uh, throughout thanks to the wide array of, uh, guest musicians. You got Beck on there, um, UK rapper Slow Tie, uh, you get New Order bassist Peter Hook on there, uh, and then, uh, Lee John, a lead singer from Imagination, and heck, even Elton John makes an appearance. That said, you kind of guess where some of these songs go. You have some synth pop, um, the funk. On the funk rock on Valley of the Pagans. Um, Pink Phantoms a little bit of a piano ballad. That's the one with uh, Elton John. And then one of my favorites is this RB bossa nova tinged song Desole um, with the singer, I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of her name and I apologize, is uh, fatumata Diowara uh, from Mali. And it's really quite fascinating considering that. The, the album flows very well from one to the next, despite the the style changing constantly. In my head, if you were a fan of Humans, I think you would enjoy Song Machine 2, simply based on the amount of features, thus um, how different the songs are from one to the next. Now compare that with The Now Now, their previous album, which I think is a lot more simplistic and reserved, which isn't a bad thing. I dig that album just as much. It just offers something a little bit different. Now, much like with the uh, the musicality of the album, uh, you know the things that we come to expect from the, from uh, the Gorillas, you have the same tongue-in-cheek observations, such as like Valley of the Pagans. Um, in case you can't tell, that's like one of my other favorite songs. <laughs> and then just kind of some bizarre, abstract thoughts. I mean, lyrically, there's it's just kind of weird. There's not a heck of a whole lot going on. But if you dive in a little bit. Deeper, listen a bit closer, and maybe have to translate some lyrics. Um, you'll find a song about heartbreak and moving on from a bad relationship, and you find that in Desole. Again, one of my favorite songs. <laughs> now, the French word desole can be translated to sorry, so if you read the lyrics with that in mind, throughout the song, it seems like both of these singers are apologizing after each line. And based on the translation that I could find, It really feels as if both of these singers are like they're moving on from a bad relationship. And, you know, they're saying sorry for all the things that happened in there. It's a really pretty song. Um, Obviously, of course, it's sung in English. uh, But you also have French. And then uh, Fadumada's native uh, language, Bambara. Super fun to have that in there. And she has a really, really pretty voice. Then heading into some closing thoughts. Actually, this is really more just a closing thought, just like the gorillas in general. The more that I listen to them, the more I understand about them, I don't understand why so many people hate on them. I Now, I totally get that the releases are really spread out. And because of that, I mean, they've changed and innovated their sound as they've gone on. But I don't know if that's really a reason to hate them. Most people look to Demon Days as the end-all be-all when it comes to them. But in my mind, a good band pushes themselves and they move on to create something new and different. And I think Auburn has done just that with the gorillas. Um Auburn isn't dumb. I think, he knows, I think he knows just how big of a song, like Feel Good Inc., I think he knows how big of a song that was for, for his little pet project back in the day. But I don't really think that he reminisces. In fact, I mean, heck, just listen to the sound of then, the 2005 version of The Gorillaz. Compare it to now. It doesn't sound like he's holding on to the past at all. The Gorillaz is an idea. It is a project. It is not really something that's set in stone. Very much like the virtual realm in which the band resides and was created in, they were a virtual band, it changes all the time. And to me, for that alone... I would give Song Machine a chance. There's bound to be something you're going to enjoy. I mean, the gorillas, they're fun, funky, they're goofy, and they're just doing their own thing. I mean, what more do you need? Alrighty, next up on the list, Punisher from Phoebe Bridgers. Now, despite the heavy emotional weight that Phoebe throws down throughout this album, the album never lags musically. It is sequenced in a way that blends the slower and more upbeat, and I do say more upbeat because I don't know if upbeat's quite an appropriate term for Phoebe, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I guess what I'm saying is that the music keeps you interested the entire time. There really isn't a song that you want to skip, from the ambient baritone guitar in the opening track to these upbeat drums on Chinese Satellite or the beautiful strings on Savior Complex there are some really pretty sounds and blend of instruments to discover on this album. (laughs) In fact, I think I wound up counting something close to like 20 different instruments in the liner notes for this very small, tightly knit group of folks. But it's that emotional soundscape that Phoebe and her crew put together that makes it such a perfect backdrop to her deeply personal songwriting. But before I dive too deep into that, I do want to start with something fun on the lyrics. It is really fun and interesting. Maybe fun's not the right word, but it's interesting to see how Phoebe weaves these really small, super specific details um, into her into her songs. And I don't know if it's just me reading into it too much or what, but just for example, on Kyoto, I think she mentioned something like watching the chemtrails. On Moonsong, um, and like this is just one of those really weird specific things she mentions this nautical-themed birthday. And again, I may be reading into it too much, but to me it just adds to this visceral storytelling that flows throughout the whole album and just lets you get into her headspace and into that, that very particular moment that much more. Now, onto what I consider kind of the trauma of the lyrics. And my God, when you dig into her themes and you really listen to her lyrics, your heart hurts. She has these conflicting thoughts of a relationship gone sour where she's so comfortable with this person, even though she's treated like total crap, uh, but she just can't stay away. And because of that, she just gets into, you know, she talks of how she just learns to deal with it or, you know, even on the verge of enjoying that misery. Now, I mean, how many of us have been there? I mean, that's kind of a, a relationship that everyone has experienced for the most part. But again... She paints that trauma with these visceral details that really let you into that moment and into her headspace in that time. To me, that's just peak singer-songwriter with this mix of emo punk thrown in. Now some highlights and closing thoughts. It's kind of hard to nail down just a few key songs, as with most of these. I think the most upbeat song, Kyoto, it's a fun break from the rest of the album. It comes in the beginning of the album, but... It's just fun. Um, it almost sounds out of place, but when you actually read and listen to the lyrics, it fits so well. Moon Song. Um, it's one of the two songs that were exclusively written by Phoebe, and it carries that emotional anguish that I was just talking about. I mean, here are some lyrics. You couldn't have you. Turn down the throat of show. Just like holy shit, <laughs> um, I think the closing track is another one of my favorites. I know the end. Um, it's actually just such a perfect song for 2020. Just like literally, just screaming into the abysmalness that was last year. And what's really fun about this song, I, at least the way that I I kind of view it, um, it's kind of in two parts. This first part is uh, you know lyrically just sort of saying I know, and then there's a the second part that's saying. It's the end. I know. It's the end. Kind of fun. And then, yeah, at the end she just lets out this scream just like hurting her lungs. And for anyone who has watched any behind-the-scenes, it is kind of funny and kind of hurts listening to her just belt out that scream, but (laughs) it's kind of fantastic. Um, I mean, the entire album, it's worth a listen. And not that it's a concept album, but she does touch on so many of these themes and emotions throughout with... But that beautiful and lush soundscape, to me, that tells a story of who the fuck Phoebe Burgers is. Alrighty, we got two more left. Up next is The New Abnormal from The Strokes. And I mean, what a hell of a title for an album that was released last year. I know that's a common theme with some of these, but my god. Um, which is funny, because that wasn't the initial intention behind that title, but Boy did it work out that way. So for the first album in 70 years from the band, a lot's changed. Um, the music on this album isn't so much the garage rock that really made the Strokes a household name in 2001 when I'm on the album this is is this it? Instead, it's this blend, I don't know, like this indie kind of sound. you got some new wave stuff um, and then like sprinkling of electronica on it. Uh, I think a good example of this is on a song like Brooklyn Bridge to Chorus. It starts off with these like really high-energy synth chords, um, then the rest of the band comes in and just gets into that new wave indie sound I was just talking about. Um, I do think there's a bit of a heavy emphasis on the electronica portion, uh, particularly on the lead single, At The Door. Well, kind of. It's such an interesting choice for a lead single, there's hardly, I mean, just sound-wise, there's like hardly an analog sound on that song. But what is so cool is that the chords that play throughout the song, it's actually a digital guitar. And I remember when it was first released last February, I had it on repeat, and I just loved how spacey it sounded, uh, not just in the literal sound, but in also just how few instruments there are. And At The Door is kind of a cool song lyrically, too. You have to do a little bit of a deeper dive onto it. Or into it, rather. Um, at least my interpretation of a line like, Sinkin' like a stone, use me like an oar, and get yourself to shore. And For me, I think that speaks a little bit more to the previous hardships of the band. You know, if you know anything about the band, their previous two albums, they were not met critically well, and the band was kind of seen as going downhill at the time. But I think these lyrics speak to how how they all pulled through to, to make the music that they needed to make, even after missing out on the past seven years. They're older and wiser now, and that reflects in the lyrics. Um, just taking a look at the world for what it is, and not necessarily what young rock stars would like it to be. And I think that sentiment continues um, and shines on a song like Eternal Summer. Casablanca's makes this eerie commentary, intentionally or not, on the effects of climate change and how, quote, summer's coming won't go away. Summer is coming, it's here to stay. Another fun tidbit on this song, that pre-chorus melody, it's, it's a nod to The Ghost in You by The Psychedelic Verse. Overall, the lyrics are more mature in nature, and it's fun to see how time has changed the band over the past two decades. So overall, it's such a fun album to listen to front to back. Um, there's only like a couple songs that I would maybe want to skip uh, the last over the last few songs. They just don't carry as much punch as the rest of the album, even though Ode to the Mets' um, last song on the, on the album, it's got this fun, dream-pop, melancholy sound going on. Um, production wise, this album just sounds amazing. Rick Rubin produced the album and it clearly shows. I mean, he's one of the most influential producers of the last 20 years and he's worked on stuff. I mean, let's go back to the nineties, Mary Jane's Last Dance by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, um, to something a little bit more recent. He worked on Adele's, um, album 21. I mean, he's been all over the place and he's mastered creating a great sounding track. He knows how to produce, and I also enjoy, I mentioned it a little bit, uh, the little nods to, to New Wave, um, like on the aforementioned Eternal Summer, but on Bad Decisions as well. The guitar on that song reminds me of Melt With You by Modern English. So go give this album a listen. The Strokes are really tight and focused, um, which was kind of the critical uh, reception of the past two albums, but like, they're, they're really tight and focused here, and it's really cool to see how the band has matured. And actually, the more that I think about it, this album is kind of the perfect blend of Julian's side project, The Voids, along with what we've come to know and love about The Strokes. Alrighty. Last on the list, It's Chromatica by Lady Gaga. (laughs) Um, This is another one that I reviewed last year, so I'm going to keep it brief here. Um, This is an album that's going to make you want to get up and shake your ass. (laughs) Even when she gets into some of the deeper personal lyrics, the songs never slow down, and there's always a beat that you can dance to. Now the album is kind of broken into three parts uh, by by way of this trio of these classical instrumentals, with some with soaring strings and crescendoing brass. Um, and I think the best one of these is part two, as it leads into 911. And in my mind, it's this very regal sound. It sounds royal. I don't know why it just sounds like it. And it crescendos you got some trumpets and strings and then it just drops right into this 4 on the floor beat that you just you kind of want to start banging your head to and to me it is just heavy and it's dirty <laughs> Speaking of nine one one, I think this is what really grabs my attention on this album. And comparing it to something like Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa, I think what really grabs me more on this album is it's her lyrics. Um, and I again particular focus on the second part of the album. There, uh, Lady Gaga dives into some really personal stuff. And if you watch the music video for nine one one, you get a really good understanding just what that is. Watching it, it's a fantastical world full of weird people, it's bursting with color, she wakes up, and you realize that's how she was processing trauma. It's really cool just how open she is about living with a mental health disorder, and it allows more people to be open about it. Um, But it's watching that music video, it's really startling just realizing um, what the music video is about. Uh, overall, I dig this album. My only dig against it, and it's not just this album, it's just a lot of modern, not every single modern pop album, but a lot of them are like this. I wish that some of these songs lasted just a little bit longer, especially on the closer like Babylon. Like, that is such a fantastic album closer, and I think it's less than three minutes. I just want it to be a little bit longer. Um, I also want to note, just because he was mentioned on the Gorillaz album as well, there's something about Elton John's feature on Signed From Above that just throws me off every time I listen to it now, and I don't know what it is. He just, compared to the Pink Phantom, that he, Pink Phantom song he's on, it just sounds off on here. Again, that's kind of a mute point, but it's just something I want to point out. But with that said, pick up the album and go shake it. <laughs> I mean, I can't wait to see what she does next, and I can only imagine that when she does tour, it's just going to be a hell of a show. So... Ladies and gentlemen, those are my top five albums from last year. But of course, there's too many others that I enjoyed, so here's some honorable mentions. <laughs> um, Future Nostalgia by Dua Lipa. I couldn't leave it off this list. Much like Aga's Chromatica, it's a dance-heavy album with the perfect amount of funk that's going to get you up and moving while also touching on some themes of Heartbreak and moving on. Supervision from LaRue. For a first album solely on her own, Uh, when she started in 2009, she had a a writing partner. But for the first time out, she nails the dance pop blend that she started in 2009. Um, I hope that with just how much she poured her soul into this album, and you hear it. I mean, some of the things that she talks about, she's lifting some sort of weight off of her shoulders. Um, And with that, I hope that we don't have to wait six years until the next album. Set My Heart on Fire Immediately from Perfume Genius. For me personally, it is so refreshing to have a gay man be so open about his struggles with relationships and health issues, and be as big as he is. Um, I love just I love how much attention that he's gotten over recent years, and I hope that he continues talking about those kinds of subjects that are maybe a little bit more taboo, maybe not quite mainstream, um, and just putting that out there to a wider audience. After hours from the weekend, the weekend took a much darker turn on this album took on a new persona, and continued to explore the themes from his previous releases, particularly his EP, My Dear Melancholy. Um, thank goodness for the uplifting sound of Blinding Lights to help push through, because it is, it's a heavy album. Uh, but it's, it's really a piece of art. It's fantastic. And then last honorable mention is The Slow Rush from Tame Impala. Multi-instrumentalist Kevin Parker, he continues his psychedelic music project, performing everything on the album um, and much like several other albums very timely in hindsight last year the themes um, kind of talk about they surround themselves on this passage of time and feeling out of nature with nature i suppose kind of just falling out of with what's normal uh, but it's it's really great listen Um, And it's like an hour long, so, you know, if you just need an hour to zone out, there's your album. Alrighty, I hope you all enjoyed the brief journey into the music of 2020. There are so many other albums that grabbed my attention. These were just the ones that resonated with me on that next level. So let me know what albums helped you get through last year, because we all needed a, a little TLC with the way things were going. And with that... Thank you all for joining me today on Rock and Talk with Dak. If you liked today's episode, please make sure to comment, like, subscribe, or go out and tell a friend. It all helps get these episodes out to more music fans like yourselves. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter, where I post regular updates as well as a song of the day. And as always, this presentation is and will be made possible by listeners like you. So thank you for your support as always. And remember, you can't start the next chapter of your life if you keep rereading the last one. See you next time.